Welcome to the BreastCancer.org podcast, the award-winning podcast that brings you the latest information on breast cancer research, treatments, side effects, and survivorship issues through expert interviews, as well as personal stories from people affected by breast cancer. Here's your host, BreastCancer.org Senior Editor, Jamie DiPolo. Hello, as always, thanks for listening. Our guest today is Dr. Jackie Gollin, Associate Professor of Psychiatry and Behavioral Science and a Clinical Psychologist at Northwestern University's Feinberg School of Medicine in Chicago. As a clinician, she uses evidence-based psychotherapy to treat people for depression and anxiety. Her research focuses on how habits interfere with our goals. This includes how people make decisions to approach or avoid situations. As the quarantine and restrictions related to COVID-19 stretch into their fourth month, although some places have started to open up, we may find ourselves not wearing a mask every single time we leave the house or being a bit more casual about washing our hands. This reaction is called caution fatigue, and Dr. Gollin joins us today to talk about it and give us some tips on how to overcome it. Dr. Gollin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. First, since I just gave a real brief summary of caution fatigue, could you give us a more detailed explanation of what it is and tell us how it happens? In the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, there's been a lot of attention on helping people comply with quarantine safety guidelines. I've observed a phenomenon called caution fatigue, which is the low motivation and energy to observe safety information. It occurs when we become desensitized to stress and warnings, and then we outweigh the valid risks of injury or infection for the benefits of seeking a reward like human connection or exercise or being in the outdoors. And so the burden of assuming cautious behavior, especially if prolonged, can seem unnecessary, and then people start to become vulnerable to suggestions to bend the rules. I've read... Some headlines saying that, well, people just got bored. They got bored with doing the same thing all the time. Does that factor into it, or is it really almost just kind of sensory overload? I I don't, I, I'm wondering if there's a difference there at all. Yeah, it's a good question. There are a couple of things that explain this. The first is that we get a decreased sensitivity to repeated warnings. So essentially, our brains adjust to the alarms to reduce our stress, and then we can take longer to respond to warnings or start to ignore them. Um, There's also, I think, a lot of uh, decision-making that goes on, and complex decisions like this require a lot of energy. So we start to get tired about making those decisions about which actions are worth the risk and which actions are worth rewards. I see. Okay, thank you. Now, if a person's been diagnosed with breast cancer, that's clearly a threat to them. And then mm-hmm. the COVID-19 pandemic happened on top of, of that diagnosis for a lot of people. So I'm wondering, would, would people like that who are experiencing these multiple threats, are they more likely to experience caution fatigue? I think it would vary. So I think for most people, they're going to experience some adaptation. You know, fear is registered in the brain, and then if threat is considered to be important, there are messages sent through our body for us to respond to it properly. However, over time, we start to use another part of our brain to understand the context of the threat, whether the threat is real or not, and that context helps us dampen the fear response, and so we then subsequently see the threat information is less threatening, and we start to ignore it. 
I think for people who have cancer, everybody's different. And I think it depends on how you interpret the information. So some people will have an ability to balance their fear with a sense of perceived control and take actions that are appropriate for them. Others may experience an imbalance, and that's the imbalance between fear and perceived control, and that can create either lower or more excessive fear. So a person who's gone through many rounds of chemotherapy is feeling vulnerable may have more fear, and that would lead to cautious behavior and potentially emotional distress or some impairment if they felt threatened. Others may feel like they've gotten through it and they're no longer vulnerable and then have lower fear, which could lead them to ignore true risk. I do think I've had a number of patients of mine report to me that having gone through uh, treatment for cancer, breast cancer specifically, that they are very attentive to their health and preserving all aspects of their health. So they tend to be much more cautious uh, in this current state, this current situation. Okay, which is which is probably very good. Now, I've also read that what I would call information overload, like just a constant bombardment of information can contribute mm-hmm. to caution fatigue. And to me, anyway, it feels like since the first case of uh, COVID-19 was diagnosed here in the United States, we have been in information overload, you know, do this, do that, wear a mask, wash your hands, use hand sanitizer, don't go here, don't go there. So can you sort of help me understand how that fits into caution fatigue as well? Is it kind of the same thing, just that you're getting so much information, your your brain can't decide what's important anymore? Yeah, it's a really good question, and it does uh, differentiate from caution fatigue. So there's a concept called alarm fatigue, and often we see this with clinicians who are working around a lot of alarms, like medical devices and so forth in the hospital. And alarm fatigue is the sense that being bombarded by these warnings, these actual physical alarms, the person starts to regard them as nuisances. And then because they go off so often, they are stressful. And then they begin to be seen as nuisances. And then they start to, we start to actively ignore the warnings. The the problem with that is that there are times when in fact, alarms mean something, particularly in hospitals or construction sites or in schools. And so alarm management is important to prevent the bad outcomes that are, that are supposed to be prevented. There is also a concept of alert fatigue, which is uh, being bombarded by social media or media outlets with information. And a person continue to get alerts or updates about what's going on around us. And we probably all get subjected to that early in the pandemic phase. And people can get saturated by the information. They can't tell what's useful. And the excessive and continual alerts are distracting, and they generate stress. And so, again, to reduce the stress, we start to ignore the alerts, which they're viewed as noise. So we have alarm fatigue, which are actual true alarms, physical alarms that go off on devices that are designed to help people in their jobs and their situations. We have alert fatigue from the social media and media contacts. Caution fatigue is the person who's saying, I understand that there is a risk. I have to take precautions to do something to protect myself, to preserve the health that I have. But I'm willing to trade that off because I'm just so tired of taking these precautions, wiping down groceries, wiping down my hands, keeping social distancing, where I want to make that trade off of moving towards something that I want to do, like a reward of getting 
food at the grocery or seeing friends or getting outside and having a picnic that might not be appropriate. And you begin to ignore the true risk in order to get that reward back in into your life. And it sounds like there is quite a lot of potential fatigue going on with everyone right now between all the things you mentioned. So I I can imagine that people might be looking for some rewards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. People really thrive on a routine that they have, and also they rely a lot on habits. So when we've set ourselves new goals that require this extra effort and attention, one, it's hard to do. Two, um, it's hard to remind yourself to do it when nothing bad happened to you because there was no sort of actual consequence that you you feel that you have you've removed and so that's hard to stay motivated when everything's going okay you're not ill why would you need to do these extra activities the thing that goes on there is there's the sense that if we know that others are taking safety precautions we might go ahead and do things that are a little bit more risky like not wearing the mask and assuming that we are safe because everybody else has gone ahead and taking some of those safety precautions. And that concept is called risk compensation, which is I don't need to do these things because it's all, the, the world out there is safer because other people are engaging in safety behaviors. I see. I see. Now, does caution fatigue happen to everyone eventually, or are there some people that are just hardwired to automatically be always vigilant? I'm sure there's a subset of the population who are hardwired to be vigilant, and potentially I think that's driven by prior experience, meaning if you've gone through a very severe illness, you're going to pay a lot of attention to your having a closed home environment where you don't allow any risks into your home. And and certainly people who are, uh, you know, considering their well-being, their age, you know, and, and what it might be like if they did get sick, what risks that would incur, I think are far more attentive to keeping a safe environment around them. But most people will adapt to this because it's biologically driven. So initially, fear is registered in the brain. And then if that threat's considered to be important, there are messages that are sent to the body to respond. But over time, another part of our brain is going to start to dampen down the fear response uh, in order for us to cope with the stress because being intensely fearful is is quite a load on the body and the brain. And so it's helpful for the part of the brain to dampen the fear response by saying, gee, you know, I don't know if this threat is as real as it seems. I don't know anyone who's sick around me. I myself haven't been sick. Geez, or is this being amplified by the media? And so we start to see the threat information is less threatening and then begin to start to ignore it. So in many ways, the response of adapting to this, which can look like fatigue or caution fatigue, is something that is driven by the brain in order for us to learn to modify our fear. Okay. And I, I do want to follow up on that. So if someone is being treated for breast cancer, say they're they're receiving chemotherapy, so they may be immunocompromised, so they're at higher risk of becoming sick. So it's really important that those people stay vigilant about COVID-19. You know, they keep practicing social distancing, they keep wearing a mask, they keep washing their hands, they keep taking all the, the really hardcore precautions. So how can people, you know, their brain's telling them to adapt. So mm-hmm. how can they recognize that, that that's happening and they may be, you know, slightly 
becoming less vigilant? Mm -hmm. Great question. I think if you can adhere or comply with the schedules that you had in the first month of this, that might be useful just to remind yourself that there are basic rules that you want to follow about uh, social distancing and, and disinfecting some things around in your home or, uh, you know, and washing your hands and using a mask. I think to recognize caution fatigue, you might want to ask yourself, am I habituated or desensitized to the repeated warnings? And I'm assuming that the risk will be lower than it is actually uh, in, in reality. So are you assuming that the risk is lower than it actually is? Uh, for example, take a look at what the, the daily reports are for your region or for your city or state in terms of how many new infection cases there are and how many people unfortunately have passed away. That'll give you a sense of risk. The second thing is to see, are you recognizing the risk, but you're not acting in a way that's consistent to minimize that risk? So are you maintaining some rigid expectation about risk and safety and disregarding the information that you think doesn't fit those expectations? An example of this is where we would say, well, I should be able to walk along the waterfront. And that would be bending the safety guidelines at this point because it's not open. Um, are you expecting that you should be able to do that and you're ignoring what are the, the guidelines in front of you? Or are you expecting that you don't have to wash your hands when you go out and about in the city? Um, because, again, that would be a fairly straightforward way of you understanding intellectually those risks, but you don't emotionally don't feel like uh, complying with it. And then I think understand that if you're reverting back to old habits rather than sticking to the goals of safety, we all are struggling with this. Uh, this is what it is to be human. And so just see that you might be getting tired of making some of those decisions during this state of uncertainty and that you're prone to ignoring some of the warnings in order to reclaim your routine. Okay, thank you. Um, and my final question is it kind of a follow-up on that, and some of the answers might be the same. But how can someone overcome caution fatigue? Say they've recognized it. Like I know, like I'll give myself as an example. I was leaving the house to go to the grocery store and I got halfway down the driveway and realized I did not take a mask. And I went, whoa, mm -hmm. what is going on with me? I and I went right back and I got one. But um, so how how can how can we overcome? come this? Are there, you know, do we make ourselves lists, you know, do a mm -hmm. do checklist before you leave the house? What, uh, what have mm -hmm. you seen that, that helps? I have to uh, uh, recognize that I also have had the same experience <laughs> where I walked right out of the home and then realized, uh oh, and I think this is important, which is you're going to stick with some habits, but as soon as you recognize that you didn't follow through on the goal, maybe it's because you saw someone else wear a mask, you thought, uh-oh, I don't have mine, and that would feel weird if I went out there or I knew I would commit, I committed that I wanted to do this, go back and get it. And what you're just doing is overriding the habit with this new goal. And the new goal will become a habit over time. And um, my sense is that we're going to be asked to wear masks for quite a while. So that just recognize that is normal human behavior and that you're working on a new routine. I think towards answering your point um, or your question about what people can do, there are a lot of things you can do. I think you need to give yourself time to prepare for the goal, define what that goal is, and then set your intentions. So stop and think and then get prepared. So put your mask where the door handle is, 
um, you know, uh, put notes up like wash your hands, things that just remind you to this to get to this new goal. I have heard some of my patients with, that have uh, gotten treatment from breast cancer say, you know, there's small investments now that create a big payout and that they were, at the time they were getting treatment, they were willing to tolerate the inconvenience and the discomfort of getting the treatment for the benefit of getting health, which was their reward. And so many women who were getting through that experience were telling themselves, do everything that you could possibly do now to make it successful and start now to see a benefit and then see the value of your self-control in terms of it paying out in terms of better health. In many ways, women starting to see that their success is in those safety routines and that that will hopefully help you feel like you can boost your effort. Um, if the pandemic seems like a lot to take, you feel pretty overwhelmed and tired, then just start with a small goal. Deal with the routine you have this morning and don't worry about this afternoon. Once this afternoon comes, reset your intention and focus on that. I do think it's helpful if you can focus on the risks that may be created for others. You know how important it was for yourself getting through your own treatment and recovery and, and prevention of recurrence. And so really thinking about a behavior is having a value of a we think, not a me think. So think of somebody else who's going through treatment that you may know or you could think about and then commit to keeping them safe. And that may motivate you also to uh, commit to um, those safety behaviors to keep you safe. A couple other things I would suggest. One is increase your sensitivity to the risk by looking for variety in your news. So change up where you get your news about COVID and the pandemic so you start paying more attention to it. When it's different, we start to look at that information as new and we start to think about it. So maybe, you know, read across different um, newspapers or um, non-dramatic sort of news shows as a way of keeping yourself alert to the information all the while, making sure you don't suffer from alert fatigue. And then... See if you can set up a schedule of daily activities that builds your physical and emotional strength. When we think about fatigue, it really is a depleting, draining kind of experience. And we want you to think about exercising safely, eating properly, setting achievable goals so that you feel like you're emotionally and physically stronger as you're getting through this. And one thing I think about is, you know, how do I want to position myself emotionally, mentally, Physically, so by the time this pandemic phase ends, I feel like I'm where I want to be at the end of that. Okay, Dr. Gollin, thank you. I especially like the point you made about thinking about other people. Um, I don't know how anybody else is wired, but that is really a motivator for me. I am much more likely to do something for somebody else than for mm -hmm. myself. Mm -hmm. So that's what I've been trying to do now is think about like, okay, I have some friends who are at high risk. So I need to take my precautions so they don't get sick. So that's, mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's really helpful for me personally. Thank you so much for sharing this information. I think it will be really helpful for our audience. You're welcome. And keep in mind, you know, there's going to be an end to this. And though we may not be able to see it, there will be one. And then Hopefully we will be able to return to uh, a new routine that is safe and taking care of each other. Yes. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the breastcancer.org podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
to share your thoughts about this or any episode, email us at podcast at breastcancer.org or leave feedback on the podcast episode landing page on our website. And remember, you can find a lot more information about breast cancer at breastcancer.org. And you can connect with thousands of people affected by breast cancer by joining our online community.